Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. and ask them why and how they do what they do. And today I'm here in Helsinki with Anna Gutieska, <laughs> who is a sound artist and musician, among other things, right? We don't know each other so well, Anna, so... Oh, closing the door. Um, would you maybe like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I'm a, I would say I'm a visual and sound artist. I I think I I don't know what I did first, but I think I all my life I have been doing sound, I have both music and sound and drawing at the same time. Mm. And um, I think it was not until maybe some ten years ago that I discovered that I could do sound out of drawing. And then that really changed my practice. That was really like, wow, I can do really sound out of drawing. And like, like, what do you mean with that? Um, um, I, you know, I have been always playing instruments. And then when I came to Finland, I discovered, of course, that there's all these um, uh, do-it-yourself instruments. Like I started like building instruments, like building small circuits. And then I found out that uh, graphite is a conductive material. Mm. So I made this little amplifier circuit. This little box is here. Okay, can we look at it? Yeah. And, and for those who don't know, like who didn't maybe catch this, graphite is this, um, it looks like coal, but it's more shiny. So it's kind of like what's inside a pencil, but you can get it in bigger pieces and people use it to draw with and make these like shadow drawings and stuff. So usually it's a drawing material, but then yeah. you realize it's electrically... It's conductive. Yeah. Okay, graphite is conductive. So so what I did is I took two graphite bars and mm -hmm. uh, I attached this instrument cable and made a plug. So here I put two of those. Okay, so we're now looking at a small wooden box with a speaker unit in, a volume knob I assume, and then like four in and out puts for jack. What is two? Like two. one is one is input and one is output. Okay, so, yeah. There's two outputs or, or inputs. I mean two two and two, two outputs. Inputs and then okay, and yeah. these are like homemade yeah. cables. So we are now looking at cables Anna has made that it, it's jack cables, but in one end instead of a jack plug, there are like graphite <laughs> bars. <laughs> like there can also be a pencil instead of the graphite. Could also be a pencil. I have, I have and how are they attached? Um, with the 
this um, shrinking tube. I mean, okay. the cables from the, the the two cables from the inside are just touching the graphite. Okay, and, and then, then you put a shrinking are, tube. And then I have this shrinking tube there. So you didn't even glue it or anything? No. no. Wow, it looks amazing. No, I mean, the shrinking tube <laughs> shrinks and then. And then you you connect it and then you draw. And yeah, and, and the thing is the, um, that there's a resistance in between the two points. Like okay, so you, you, you draw two at the same time. Yeah, and uh, so if you make a line, you touch the paper, and then if you want some sound, you make a line that mm -hmm. that uh, puts the, like unites both. So that's the contact, and there's a feedback in the circuit, and then depending on the depending on the thickness of the graphite, and and the and how far you are from it, it's the sound it makes. It's amazing. So it makes low and high frequencies, and then of course I'm also processing this through effects. So I have like a more variety of of, of stuff going so on. So what do you like to draw when you make sound? Well, the thing is that um, when I found out about this, I I did some little research. It was also part of my master's thesis, mm -hmm. and and then I, I I found out that people usually. There's few like maybe two three people doing this kind of graphite stuff. Okay. But they just care about the sound and and, and the drawing is always like lines. So they draw with drawing. their ears. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you wanted to also make good drawings. Yeah, like like this. Because you actually can draw. Maybe yeah. the other people can't draw, and so they're yeah. like. Okay. <laughs> and uh, because for me it's equally important the the visual and the, mm -hmm. or the drawing and the sound. So I wanted to do something like this. Maybe. Uh, can you put words to what this is so the viewer, uh, listener can be a viewer also? Uh, yeah, um, I wanted to make, I mean, I draw a lot of animals Yeah. and uh, and they are very like real to say so, or, or kind of in a re surrealistic, well this is more surreal. Yeah, I mean this is a real drawing, like it's a gold it's hanging. It's a big drawing. Yeah. How big is this paper? I think it's a hundred times, 140 centimeters. And it's like a... Half a gold. It's hanging. Yeah, it's death. It has been sacrificed, and then there's this. Um, uh, are they colibris? Yeah, like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds. Yeah, they are coming out of 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 the of the guts of the, the goat, and for me that symbolizes life. Like I mean, mm -hmm. death and life because death. It's death is also a beautiful thing, and then just there's beautiful birds coming out of. Encircling this yeah. carcass, hanging yeah. from ropes. Yeah. This is a quite a. It's quite an old drawing. I, I, it was in this manta. Okay. Festival. But it has. I mean, I mean, this has nothing to do with the graphite. But it's. I mean, it's the way I I draw. Before and so when you start and, and now and now so when you make sound with drawings, you know that you can draw these amazing, quite naturalistic, detailed drawings. Yeah. So. So you see, I have this. The smaller drawings that I was talking to you about that mm -hmm. have uh, speakers in them, mm -hmm. I I was when I was drawing them, I recorded the sound. And so they are each playing the sound of the drawing. Exactly. <gasps> exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, there is a collection of, of framed drawings here. One is a Scorpio, scorpion, and one is uh, is like what did you show me? A moth. Hercules. Or? Hercules beetle. A Hercules beetle. Okay. Yeah. There's this other um, scarabaeus acer, I just know the Latin names because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one that pushes its dung. Yeah, and, and the dung is the speaker. Is, 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 is oh, really? Yeah. It's a dung beetle. Yeah. 
Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Are they bubble wrapped because they just came from the exhibition now? Well, yeah, they, they came, but before summer holidays, mm. I think uh, July. Oh, wow. Okay, so here's a drawing yeah. of two dung beetles and they're like collaboratively pushing the dung, <laughs> which is a cutout part of the drawing. So you have made round holes in the paper so that you could attach yeah. speaker units. So, yeah, so that's where it goes, the speaker, and then of course there's a hole on the on the acrylic so you can listen. Does the it. whole frame and everything and the glass become part of like uh, the speaker cabinet? Do they...? Yeah, yeah. yeah because, it, it, because it's with this frame you can... It sounds a bit more like a speaker, like mm -hmm. a... Yeah, because it's a deep yeah. frame, right? So there is actually like this hollow cabinet feeling. And then if, I mean, you put it on the wall and then of course it sounds much better. Yeah, Because yeah, the speaker yeah. itself, it needs some resonant body. Yeah, yeah. how big are these speaker units? Uh, these are nine centimeters. Yeah. So, not so big. No, but, and I have a lot of speakers. These are like baby speakers, you know. Oh yeah, wow. so the Sorbian has four micro speaker things. Because, yeah, because scorpions carry their babies on the back, but they carry like 50. Yeah, so, so, so these speakers are babies. babies. Yeah. Oh, you really thought about it. Yeah, that's nice. How long does it take to make a drawing like this? They're super detailed. Um, well, they, these ones are quite simple, but... Um, but you draw with two with hands at the same time to make the sound? Yeah, but uh, I mean, to make a lot of details, I have I, my right hand is better for the details. Yeah, I was about to ask, can you do so detailed drawings with no. these quite big and clumsy graphite bars also? Because yeah. these are very delicate lines. Yeah, but I had the I had the other the pencils, but they I I use the pencils and they they are they worn out, and then I have to change them. So yeah. And wow. Uh, Does the friction on the paper and stuff also make sound in this circuit system, or is it literally only like the graphite? No, it's only the graphite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because it, well, the paper doesn't have any conductivity. So okay. Well. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, I didn't even know this part of your praxis. <laughs> this is not why I initially asked if you wanted to join the podcast. I just I have seen Anna play live twice and I thought it was really great. And so we were talking in a bar one time after the event and we got to talking and the podcast was mentioned and you sounded interested. And I was like, so you want a guest? <laughs> and then it has taken us ridiculously long time <laughs> to schedule. This meeting has been postponed and cancelled and <laughs> one time I stood up Anna because I somehow overslept like six hours the whole day. I don't know, like I'm in this thesis mode so my, I think my brain is really weird by now. So yeah, one time I accidentally just slept the whole day and Anna just was waiting here for me and one yeah. time you got sick and yeah, and then I had a, a sick child at home, and also this weekend I felt like, oh no, there's something flu in the house, and I'm like, oh, but yeah. I'm, I'm okay, so... It's but fine. better late than never, yeah. we managed now, it only took us like two months. <laughs> so maybe can you help um, bring the listener into the space, like can we describe the room a little bit? Yeah, um, this room is part of a little complex, like let's call it studio complex. 
Um, there's three rooms and mine is has a window to the yard, interior, Co is it called interior yard? How do you call it? Courtyard, I would say. Yeah. yeah, we are in the old, uh, can we say where it is? Yeah. yeah. We are in the old uh, Biwat Society Gallery. Was it called Solo? Solo. Yes. Solo. Yeah. So Biwat Society is another thing. It doesn't have anything to do with this, but they used to have this space as a gallery, and now they have another space. And so yeah. Anna and her partner, I didn't ask your pronouns. Is it her? Me or yeah. him? You. Me. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Anna and her partner. Um, now have made music studios in this space, which is quite nice. Music and and um, let's say sound art. Mm, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you have this room alone. Yeah, yeah. This quite is quite a luxury. Yeah, I know, I know. This is the best studio I have ever had. But listen, I mean, the majority of studio spaces, you know, they look like offices. They look like shit. I mean, how can one inspire or get get inspiration in this kind of office? I mean, for me, it's quite important to have like I don't know, like some room that gives me this freedom. Like, ah, oh, yeah, here I can do my art, and I don't know, I have a good time, and it's uh, always a pleasure to come here. Really. But I mean, this was a gallery, and which is still like the the walls are very wide, the floor is mm -hmm. wide, so it still has this white cube feeling. It's fairly minimalistic. So what does it take for the room to make you feel this freedom of inspiration? I think there's a good energy in the space, mm -hmm. yeah, before and now, <laughs> and um, I don't know, it's just, uh, you know, like, um, places also, also have like a soul of their own, mm -hmm. and I think there's, I don't know, something nice in this space, and of course, <laughs> I guess the way I just put my stuff and... Yeah, I like that you have your own drawings out kind of on display. <laughs> Is yeah. that just right now? No, no they're always no, there. No, well, this this one, uh, the goat is there because it's just there. I mean, that's always there. On this yeah, place. it's like on this uh, wooden easel thing, so it's yeah. really like displayed as if it was like in an exhibition. And um, these ones, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm putting them on the window. Okay. But we just installed the curtains uh, last Friday. Ah, so you have like little window exhibitions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cute. And uh, yeah, because uh, there's a possibility <laughs> of the people buy here. Oh, yes, yeah, of course, of course. It's a real so posh area. I will just hang my drawings there and see what's, what happens. Nice. And of course, the clothes are not part of my, <laughs> of my experience. <laughs> they are just drying them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but normally, I mean, I, I would have just this. This is what I drew. Yeah, you have a, a real drawing table. Yeah. 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 It looks very professional with the pencil sticking out <laughs> yeah. of the building <laughs> pencil holder. And, and then yeah. behind you there, where you on the uh, water pipe, and you have this size organized display <laughs> yeah. of uh, speaker units. And yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It, I like it when a workspace can be like a work of art in itself. I often feel like my studio is kind of this living sculpture, like this living installation that is taking shape somehow based on need, but also aesthetic choices and like happenstance, like what items I just have or are working on. But it's, yeah, yeah, I really like that it's. Uh, that it feels like it's a work of itself, somehow. And, and you know, if 
the the walls are white, but somehow I like it because I'm used to draw on white paper. So yeah, for me, yeah. it's just a space that I can fill with whatever I want. Yeah, yeah, I understand. That's nice. What is with the golden sheep and the golden cow on the wall? Are they masks? Yeah, those are part of a performance I did with a friend. We have this band called Humanima. Okay. And, and uh, we are we are always using the one that I told you that we are using like um, costumes and and uh, it's very performative kind of we call it like I don't know how to call it but uh, <laughs> and, and uh, she's the one with the vocals and plays some stuff and I and I play the rest. But and she's usually and she's a performance artist also so she's the one like uh, interacting. At, in the space during the performance, and I'm on the back, like with my costume, with the machines playing. Yeah, when you say I play the rest, then like you play a lot of machines and a lot of buttons. Yeah, yeah, but it depends on. I mean, the the last setup that you saw, I had only this electroid, mm -hmm. a little um, head, baby head, like synthesizer, and a pe an effects pedal and the mixer. That's it. Okay, small. that's a mobile. But then, of course, uh, my my equipment has been growing, and now I have uh, three drum machines that I'm like uh, playing at the same time, like via MIDI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you we have two tables going on to be able to accommodate all of it, and a lot of cables hanging like this beautiful uh, noodle salad down from the table. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this table was not part of the thing, but then I I needed a, this was my soldering table for the speakers oh. and electronics, and and it's. It doesn't fit very well because I, I like the round corners, okay. <laughs> but then I needed a table and if, if, if Laura comes for performing this Humanima, then so we are here. And the other masks, we had them in a performance in Kiasma. So who is who? Who is the sheep and who is the cow? Or is it a bull? It's a... I think it's a cow. Okay. Um, I never asked myself like if it's a cow or a bull. I mean the horns are not that big, so I would say yeah. probably a cow. Yeah. So who is who? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think... Hey, no, she was wearing both, like one on the front and one on the back. And then she, oh, she, okay. she was like doing her stuff at oh, the stage. Cool. Um, I had another mask. Like a kind of a bird. It was a paper mask that a friend made for me. It's like this kind of. Um, it's made out of recycled cardboard, and then it's painted, and it's really hard, and it, it was like really like a long bird face. <laughs> but that that I don't own it. But this. So these are just the remains of the performance. Okay. And um, Laura was also like spreading some glitter in the Kiasma <laughs> theater. So imagine they were hating us after that because you you. That you can never get rid of litter. No, I mean, even in concert venues, like something like glitter is horrible. But like you, you know, people who want to shoot confetti out of the stage, there is at least in Denmark there is like a confetti fee in venues. What? That if a band wants to shoot confetti, they can in a concert venue, but they will have to pay for it because it's extra cleaning fee, and it's quite a lot. Like the, it's there are pretty standard rates for it but it's a thing there's a confetti fee and if they, if they do it without asking they will be billed for it after usually but i used to work in a concert venue and if we did like you know sometimes i would be hanging a lamp somewhere in the ceiling and all these like old wooden beams you would find confetti from 
years ago that has just been hiding in a corner. It really never goes away. And so I imagine glitter is a little bit similar. Chiasma, this gallery we're talking about, is the biggest contemporary museum gallery in Helsinki, like it's or in Finland. It's the biggest, most famous, like it's the MoMA of Helsinki. But not in a such level as MoMA. No, of course not. But like for Finnish standards, this is it. Like it's, it's so big and white and clean and has like expensive art. Yeah. <laughs> and you you decided to throw glitter in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that Lola was throwing it, but I loved it. And I will I will send you the links with the video, and everybody can watch it. Yes, it we was will amazing. add. Like, we will add links in the show notes to the things we are talking about. So imagine like golden masks and golden glitter, and like wow. And then she was blowing it so that. I think she oh, was just like doing this. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. What was yeah. the costumes? Um, I I had what 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 was this? I have to watch the video to remember it. No, it's fine. It's fine. I think she had some like golden. Well, it's a ah better yeah. better to watch the video. Okay. Describing lies. Can we maybe close the window because now the rain is increasing and I'm a little bit afraid of the backtrack uh, sound that it might get a little bit noisy. Yeah, cool. It's very noisy. Yeah, it's just you can hear it on the recording, which is fine, but I'm thinking for like an hour or something of this, it might be like when it gets louder and louder, it will start interfering. Yeah. Cool. Um, so. Yeah, let's yes. talk about on, on, on your back. You have a little alpha, like um, there's a oh in yeah. This, in this, this let's is a talk funny room. It's a very funny room because I mean, uh, you have a window to the courtyard and then you have a window to the kitchen. But then yeah. I guess but this, otherwise no windows. Yeah, I guess it's this window. So you, if you sit on the kitchen, you can see at least the light. That there's light. I, I would uh, say because so. the kitchen doesn't have windows. No. And also, it was a gallery, so didn't they have exhibitions in yeah. this room? Also? I, yeah, you know, I, I would say in all the rooms, but I was never here. I don't know. I, I have been here. I think they have also exhibitions in this room. So then, having a weird window in the middle of a wall between two rooms, it's not so weird. Yeah. And it has this quite deep window ledge, like yeah. this window pane. So I tell it, tell us about the altar. Uh, well, I have a uh, human animal, a uh, human animal, Hanuman. Do you know Hanuman? This yeah, the monkey god yeah. so the, from India. The performance with these golden masks is called uh, Hanuman. Mm. And uh, we were using kind of the story of Hanuman in the performance. And uh, Laura, my friend, gave me this. She went to India for a residency and uh, she brought me this Hanuman and I love mm. it. And then I have these uh, two horns of uh, the cows of my ex-neighbor, because we used to live in Sipo, in Southern Kola, okay. and our neighbor has a little stable with 24 cows. And, um, and uh, sometimes when, when they, somebody goes to feed the cows with the machine, they put these big rolls of, of what's, what is it, how is it called, hay na, in English? Hay. Hay, ah, that's very similar. <laughs> and they put them in the machine to break them, yeah. and, and the cows are just, just desperate, they want to eat, and then like, Try to reach the machine, and sometimes the the horse get in the way and. Oh really? But the cow is okay. Yeah, some. I mean, it doesn't. If if they are young, of course they grow the yeah. different horns. But this, I think, 
It's just the outer part. So yeah, it's yeah. like it's like the hollow horn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So okay. I got them from my neighbor. Also the teeth. I didn't know that cows. Cows <laughs> also lose teeth, and they change teeth. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're quite big, huh? Yeah, and uh, there's a deer horn that I also got from my friend, and this uh, Mexican um, kind of Mayan, Mayan little clay skull. Yeah. And this entire dance, I want to actually there, but it's a reminder that yeah, I have okay. to fix it. So this is why you're burning the Palo Santo here? Well, I, I, I like the smell of it. I like the smell of it as well. When you're talking about the nice vibe and energy, I was like, yeah, it also has a really nice smell. <laughs> and I usually burn it before my performances because it's like, I don't know, it makes me go into the state of like, oh. In the venue you burn it? Yeah, that's I nice. Like that. it's on my on my table, like. <laughs> when I lived in Berlin many years ago, there was at the time this one DJ, I never met him, but my partner at the time I think met him somewhere, who was like a smell DJ, so he was like catering also like essential oil s smells while he was playing or something. It was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the whole package. Okay, that's nice. How, is Laura from India? No, no, she's from Bulgaria. Okay. But, she, we studied together a master's degree and that's where we met and, and I don't know, there was like, we were always tuned and like, like we have a good, we, had, we immediately had a good friendship and kind of same mindset and we decided to play together and immediately we were sinking and it always nice. happens. So yeah, it's really without any effort. Mm. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about your sound. Um, I think we will also at some point maybe turn on some mm -hmm. some machines or something and hear something. But um, what? How would you characterize the genres that you play? I mean, you you play also alone and with Laura, so you have a few different projects going on and stuff. But but yeah, what is your range of uh, what type of sound do you like to make? Well, I like noise a lot, like, um, I used to listen really noise, like Merzbow and, and this kind of, it's really noise, like, or industrial noise, or like, industrial techno style, and um, I have been playing drums also with, uh, like, real drums. Like a whole drum kit? Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I started, actually, making music with drums, and, and we would make noise, I mean, of, of course, at some point, I, my, my noise uh, with the drums is always more rhythmical. Once so, somebody compared me, my drum style to the one to the drummer from Can, you know this band, mm -hmm. Can, and that's like really like machine style. And I, like, oh, I mean, so he cool. he was like <laughs> a god of the drums. So like, being compared to him is quite like a compliment, I would say. So I, I, yeah, I like a lot to make a lot of noise and then maybe like 10 years ago I had an experience like of some sort of experience with really, with techno but not the mainstream techno. Um, I don't know, something changed in my mind and in my body and it's like why I, I just started to make this kind of, I don't know how to call it, experimental industrial techno noise or whatever, what you hear. And that's what I really like to play a lot. So if I, for example, this project Humanimal, I I play a lot of 
Yeah, drums. Mm -hmm. Like drum, drum like machines. Like drum machines, yeah. yeah. Electronic drums. Yeah. And uh, also a bit of noise, but uh, yeah. I mean, when, when I heard you play with your, I guess it's the same like project your solo act I have heard twice. I would say it's kind of like noise dub or dummy noise. Mm -hmm. It really has very dubby rhythms. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Is that, did you bring, is that, is there a lot of dub in Mexico? <laughs> I was never listening to dub in Mexico. No, okay. I think the, the, I would say I was listening trip hop, but okay. never dub. Um, mm. Because but there's not really much dub in Finland. No, <laughs> uh, I don't know, it just uh, I came to me and one day yeah, yeah, that sure. I was like programming and I was like, wow, what is this? And then I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And every time I play that set, it's just um, evolving. And mm. now, now I'm preparing it for uh, the release of a record. And also making new stuff because I just cannot. I mean, I would love to play that forever, but I think uh, everybody has heard it in Finland. I can play it abroad, but not here. <laughs> 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 Nobody will invite me anymore. No one is playing it. It's also that the circles for these like niche things here, like Finland is so small, it's like, or like the population and Helsinki is so small, it's kind of like a niche in itself just to be here. And so these small niche genres it's like it's the same 100 200 people <laughs> doing a lot of the underground diy art spaces and events and so we circulate within very small circles and yeah so it, it is a lot of the same audience who comes to all your gigs i imagine yeah luckily and unluckily <laughs> yeah no it's super nice but i, I understand what you mean so um Maybe I think that's interesting to talk about since I was just now doing all this like sound composition work and so I think it's quite curious how other people do that. How much when you play live is it all like pre-rehearsed and do you have a set list or is it improvised because when we hear you play it's not necessarily like oh here's one track and then it's over and then it's the next track it more is this like sound evolution mm -hmm. from start till it feels done or mm -hmm. for the audience so how is it for you is it actually way more structured and planned than yeah yeah, yeah. actually it, it might be like 90 percent like uh, i know what i what i want to do but sometimes i depending on the mood i discover like little tiny sounds that can sound better that day and and you know like there's many buttons on this baby head like knobs so depending on the on the day that I'm playing and, and if I find a sound more interesting than the other one then I just do it and sometimes I just let myself go in this so there's always a margin for improvisation but it's like 90% like I know I, I have it planned and uh, also with the drum machine it's like just it's uh, it's already it's I mean it's not it's not a, it's not recorded in the drum machine. I have I have it I have the of course I have the, the sounds of the drums and then I just build it um, live. Yeah. But but you have pre-recorded sound, you have decided from home what sounds you're gonna bring and use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because uh, that for example that set that I play, I, I have my, my the all the sounds ready, like I just play them and then add on top and and if I'm gonna play like a long gig, then of course I can extend 
mm-hmm. but if it has to be a shot, like I did a gig in of twenty minutes in the in cinema audience with uh, mm-hmm. with some visuals, so it really had to be like okay, I had to compress. <laughs> twenty minutes is quite short time for electronic live ads. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it was with the visuals, so I think it worked out amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, for a lot of like electronic shagrams, it takes a long time to build yeah. up and like, yeah, you know. Yeah, and then you're just up there like, yeah, like, you <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, but so, but it is actual like tracks you play them when you go out and play live that you have rehearsed them and you feel yeah. like they're separate tracks that then just overlap live? Um, um, I never consider them as separate tracks because okay. It's more like a transition, mm-hmm. um, but I guess like if when I have I don't know if I have maybe a sonic gig that is more like a two hour like more like mm-hmm. dancing then of course yeah you cannot cut it I mean you cannot cut the flow of course no, that's yeah. all. I don't know like I never cut my flow so I just make a yeah, yeah. long long like. Yeah. But if you're gonna make a record, you say, are you then gonna make yeah. it as one long? That's what I have to decide like soon because mm. because of if it's gonna be a CD or a vinyl because if, if it's a vinyl then of course my my set doesn't fit because it's around thirty five minutes so then I will have the noise in the first part and and the and the 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 dark drums on the second part but if it's a CD you can have it all like. Ah, but yeah, because a record has to flip, so you will have to decide where to cut the flow. Yeah, so... Like my cassette tape. <laughs> I had the same thing yeah. because I was making a cassette tape and I was like, yeah, so it's two sides, but I had decided from the beginning to make a cassette tape, so it was part of the whole conceptual development. So the composition was really based on this idea of flipping. Yeah, and but you will have a beginning and an end, you will know... Yeah, and, and of course it's quite difficult, it's quite hard because I always play it all together and then mm. uh, I, it's like a bit of a confrontation, like oh wow, I have to decide if I just have a long track or, or I have to split it. But of course the format of the vinyl is so beautiful, like with this cover, <laughs> it's really like, so that's, that's the pro. And, but and do you want to do both a vinyl and a CD or only one? Um, Like, what is the purpose? Are you thinking that people are gonna, like, consumer-wise, just like uh, buy it and, and listen to it at home, or are you thinking that like people, other musicians and DJs and stuff would would play it as part of their sets? Or what um, is the... ah, that would be cool if somebody would like to play. It. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind. And because then records are probably better than CDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's a good one. I didn't think about it. Um. Um, I'm doing it because I would really love to release it mm-hmm. and of course that's then a ticket like okay this is my music you can listen to it and, if, and then you can book me and, and you can go into record yeah. shops and you yeah. can yeah. stumble upon yeah. it which yeah. is quite yeah. nice because I mean I, I I have recorded it live before but mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, it this this set has um, it has a, a, a really a long evolution, so it's not as, as it used to be before. It's one set that you have been sculpting for how long? Uh, 
Nice, just fine-tuning and yeah. evolving bits and pieces and cutting where it needs. That's yeah. nice. Um, so yeah, I would, I would just really like to have it, like I would love to release it and then like, you know, contact clubs and say hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you're gonna record it, are you thinking to record it live in the studio? And then that's it, or are you gonna like do this big uh, mixing work digitally, or well, like I will record it here in my studio, and then Malte, who's the one, he's li he's living in Denmark. He's, he has this. Uh, it's he's I think he's German, German label based in Denmark at the moment called Block Fear. Okay. Block Four. It's independent stuff, and mm. and he will master it. And, Okay. And he has experience with this. Because I cannot do it. I mean, I ha I know how to master my stuff, but mm -hmm. um, well, I think I know, but I never did any studies that I It's really weird. Did, yeah, Mastering so. is this mm -hmm. special way of working. Yeah, and, and he uh, has done it before and I think he does it quite well and so he's he takes care of that, luckily. For those uh, who listen who don't know what this means, it's so mixing is the basic like chopping up sound and putting the pieces together and adding effects and stuff and then afterwards you master it which means you bounce the, or export the track so you just have like instead of having this puzzle with all the pieces you export it like one sausage of sound mm -hmm. and then mastering is just like massaging the sausage yeah. kind Equal of yeah equalizing yeah exactly making sure that the whole sausage is like equally nice and tight the whole way and like you know squeezing it where it needs to making it a little bit smooth but you work like with one sound like the whole track at the same time so or like ideally you just do this last fine tuning so whatever you do you do it to kind of to all of the sound so it's just the last like fine packaging and this is like there are a lot of different religious ideas about what this work is and how difficult it is but but a lot of technicians who are really good at it they don't do anything else they have specific mastering studios yeah specific cables specific yeah. speakers and, and, and like weird specific ears that can hear things that other people can't hear and there's people that can tell the difference between one cable of that's the speakers of the other and it's really like <laughs> I, I don't hear it my ex-partner was braiding his own cables. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, okay. But do you work on your laptop as well? Do you do like uh, software composition work, or do you only do this like more live setup with machines and knobs and and stuff? Yeah, only live. So yeah. Like I just cannot find myself working with the laptop. I tried it before, and I. I have also done some, I tried to learn the super collider and all this like coding, but it's, I think it's just, I, I, I need this physicality, like yeah. of at least the knobs, I mean I would love to have the real drums, um, but I, I, I need to have it there. And I understand, I mean I don't mind editing sound and video on a computer and stuff, but with doing lights for instance, like concert lights, there is such a big difference to doing it on a screen where you have to quite like where the buttons are like digital and you with your mouse you have to mm. click 
and then having faders and knobs in front of you because on the with a mouse you can't do multiple things at one time not like you can with with 10 fingers mm. on faders and knobs and buttons so I, I get this when you are like you want to do it rhythmically and you yeah okay well yeah, that, and also i think it's it's maybe warmer to say so if you have faders and then you can in and out, light or sound, whatever it is, it's really like yeah, the touch with a like click and eye, and if and if you just let it go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah true. You can have more like a your body feel in it when when you can control it more as a visceral thing. But that's nice, uh, and so yeah, I just always have to like catch my brain again where we're going. Um, Maybe should we take a look at some of your machines? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, and hear what kind of sound they make? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I will just maybe monitor this um, sound a little bit while we are recording. Thank you. 
<laughs> it makes a lot of uh, little noises. Like and that. can you explain to the listeners, uh, maybe to my mom or someone like this who doesn't know what a synthesizer is? Can you explain what that is? What does it do? Uh, well, it's um, how would I explain it? Um, uh, it's the, just an instrument that makes a lot of noise. <laughs> but of course, this is not like a synth, like with, like this one, like rhythmic, like with, mm. for beats. This, of, of course, you can make the beats, but this is more like a noisy. So now we are turning up the volume of the baby. So, so the baby has a lot of knobs. Yeah. coming out of its head you pierced its skull and made like a lot of knobs in its it looks a little bit like from toy story this like uh, the child next door who is like uh, torturing all his toys it looks like one of his toys uh, from the neck you have attached this little tripod so it can stand like on the a mi- table microphone <laughs> microphone stand it has all these knobs and and switches coming out of its head and then one eye is blinking red and the other eye is lighting green yeah <laughs> yeah because if you change something then look then you also change the flickering of yeah. the red yeah. uh, one eye and then you have been writing with pen on next to the knobs what they do yeah, or what, it, so it looks like a little bit <laughs> like it's tattooed or something yeah, I have tattooed my, my tracks like compositions because if it's quite I mean you have to remember where to put it so if I want to have if I want to play certain one of my tracks then I, I, if I go to the green one then I because there's no marks of volume or anything no because it's, it's just a, yeah. a, a baby skull yeah yeah so then I, that's how I find my compositions. And uh, uh, once I had to repair the LEDs mm. because I was also traveling a lot and it's at, some t- at some point they didn't work. And I had to dismantle it and open it and, and it was only working with a nine volt battery, mm. but then I just made it for a power supply. Yeah, because it's like scary to have battery <laughs> setups, right? And, and the batteries, like depending on the amount of, uh, of, of charge mm-hmm. that they have, um, it plays differently. <gasps> so it wasn't really stable. Oh, okay. So I always needed to have a new battery. Mm. And, um, but can, so now we are hearing the baby? Now we will hear only the baby. Okay, and what happens if you tweak it? Ah, wait. So I had to, I had to, to repair, like put new LEDs on the eyes, mm-hmm. and then of course uh, I made my notes on how everything was placed before. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't work out. I placed them differently, <laughs> but I managed to find the same compositions again. Okay, so that's why there are like correction well, marks now just or extra. Ones, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> You don't usually play it alone, no? You have it with other things. Well, actually, I, I have done solos with the head. Like okay. usually, I start only playing this, and then and then I'm fading in the the, the drum machines <laughs> because it can really make a lot of stuff. But of course, yeah. with effects, it, yeah. alone it's a bit like okay. Me, me, 
Yeah, but right now it's connected to it's just delay. Yeah. And there's also I and connected a, to a small mixer. And this mixer has a lot of effects, so that's the thing. I love this mixer because the effects sound so good with all these machines. What what so mixer are we looking at? It's an Alessis uh, Multimix so Six FX. It's only a few channels. Like it's it's a very tiny little yeah. mobile one. It's four channels mm. and. Uh, but it's amazing for, I mean, for this kind of trashy mm -hmm. effects, it makes a lot of stuff. I mean, I have done a lot with just building shitty effects in the mixtures. <laughs> if, if that's what you have to work with, so, like yeah. for live purposes, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's quite nice. Okay, and so it also looks kind of cool that you start playing your concert and then you only play this wild baby from hell. <laughs> Baby from hell. And then you can just keep changing. And then I have another setup that is this head with this one. Okay, with this, the, this, uh, with this effect pad pedal thing. Which is a Digitech. Really? <laughs> it's a really cheap effect. Digitech RP80 yeah. modeling processor. Yeah. Uh, this I used a lot uh, for Humanimal. Okay. Like. But I mean, also with something like noise, like cheap effects or not, like it's gonna be sound trashy no matter yeah. what, right? Yeah. So yeah. you want the kind of weird cranked up, mm -hmm. like where maybe the that sine wave thresholds of things do not sound that good. Mm, I mean, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, and so... You have in these drum machines and everything and in the pedals, like, how often do you change it? Do you, do you keep, like, a specific bank of things that you like? Or is it every project has very s different presets and yeah, sound? There, yeah, there's different... Uh, different presets that I use mm -hmm. yeah depending on yeah depending on the on the sounds and how I match them with the with the effects yeah mm -hmm. but I, I always you know like they are all marked like mm, yeah, it's yeah. Quite old, but uh, you cannot really you cannot see it anymore but uh, no mm. <laughs> it's like uh, writing on yeah. tape that is like completely blurred <laughs> but this is uh, that's quite old yeah this, <laughs> this I don't play anymore it's Maybe uh, would you like to to do like a little impro for us for a few minutes so the listener can have uh, some sound? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I will just stand here in the back to try and get the stereo field.
What is this one that's playing that you pointed? The acid bee? What is that? It's um, it makes bass 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 lines. Mm. Like it's um, that I built in a workshop. Like the, the, it's there's uh, these guys in I think in Netherlands called Error Instruments. Okay. And they make these beautiful designs. And um, there's one artist like giving workshops around, and uh, there's the option that you buy it and it's ready made, or you buy the kit and then you solder it. Assemble it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That's really a thing within electronics, right? Yeah. There's this yeah. IKEA style that you can buy like yeah, kits yeah. with instructions and then you can solder and do everything yourself. And uh, it's amazing. I mean, it sounds. I love it because it, it, you can make really like uh, techno beats with this, like. Is it now only the acid yeah, playing? That's it. That's wow, it. <laughs> it's like a whole song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have it only on one channel because of I have only one cable here. Okay. <laughs> well, that's cool. And then if you twist, it has three knobs. So what does it do if you? It has a light sensor also. It's a light sensor. Okay, so you can really control it with your hand, it, like it's a remin in the air. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know how well this recorder will take the super deep bassy tones, oh. but, but let's see. I mean, it's pretty decent, so maybe. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, the backhind acoustics. <laughs> So with a circuit like this, it's like, where does the sound come from? 
like it comes from inside the machines they, are, course, they yeah. are providing the sound you didn't record anything no. and put it on so you buy a machine and it has some sounds that it can make and then those sounds you put into another machine via cables and then they are controlling each other and morphing each other and modulating and is it so you need to start the chain and then it becomes this feedback loop of sound or how does it work? Uh, well, you mean when with all of them? Or? Yeah, I mean like you, you have to start it somewhere, right? But then does the sound feed into like a feedback that it's regenerating itself or or how like if you pressed if you had a whole chain running now with mm. a lot of sound if you then stopped the first link with the whole I chain mean, die well, like just just these ones because these are connected via midi so if i if i start one it will start it will start both now we have the cork drum machines running so because i really have them this is the brain and this just obeys. Okay, just to have extra yeah. uh, extra sound, sounds, extra yeah. buttons. Uh, yeah. And then they, they it, this this uh, this this one is just uh, doing the same look. Like, if I press mm -hmm. like okay, let me unmute one part of the synth, like look at the mm -hmm. two. It's okay. Okay, so it does exactly the same on two of them, but you have different sounds yeah. playing on them. Yeah, there's different sounds and um, they just... Um, they run on the same tempo, so mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the magic of, uh, of controlling via MIDI. Mm -hmm. And so those are the only ones you chain. The other, uh, everything else is just connected to the mixer. Yeah, with this, this, and this. Yeah, the, the drum group. Yeah. And then all the small things like the chaos pad and this, the guitar uh, pedals. Yeah, this, and this will be plugged to this one. Okay, going so, into the drum group, yeah. uh, drum synthesizer. Yeah. So okay. This this one, for example, the baby head goes goes with it, its own channel, like it's just mm -hmm. independent, and this also will be independent. And is everything connected via the sound card or you don't? When I record, yeah. I use the sound card, but otherwise I just do the mixer. So you actually play live and stuff without having your computer at all there? Yeah, I don't, I don't need it. It's no. just the mixer and that's it. That's super nice. I mean, if I want to record live, then yeah, I take the sound card, but that hasn't mm -hmm. happened in a while because I mean, I prefer to record it in, the, in my studio. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, but I mean, isn't it good to just always record? You never know when you do something magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I or do you play differently when you know it's recording? No, no. But I have also used this kind of uh, recording portable recording devices. It's not the same because then you can you don't have like separate channels. Some like of them do. Well, yeah. Yeah. Now we are just yeah. talking about my task cam, but some of them do have like that they yeah. can function as real outboard mm -hmm. uh, that you can have multiple yeah. channels. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, and then for this set that I have been playing, I mean, that I I recorded maybe the, the first or the, the big concerts, yeah, that, that I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and for those listening, actually my recorder here, one of the reasons why I chose this one, it's a Tascam DR40X. 
And one of the reasons why I decided on this model is that I read online in reviews that it has very good line-in capabilities. So I don't know, somehow the software is handling the line-in signal of really well. So that means it's very good for recording like your DJ set or something. Mm. But because not all of them have yeah. equally good signal handling yeah. in this way. Yeah. yeah, I didn't use it for that yet, but I figured might as well buy one that can do it. I had a, another Tascam that had four, four tracks, mm. but um, somehow the, the, the microphones weren't very good, so I ended mm. up selling it. Yeah, okay. This one is quite good for what I'm using it for, but of course like it is just a portable recorder. And the, the advantage was that uh, you could you could um, have an app with your phone to mm. to control it. So I would put it when when we had third space. I would uh, record some of the some of the sound rooms of the concerts and just put it on on on, on, on the ceiling. Ah, and, and then, then I remote just, control like, with my phone. Like that's okay, smart. Yeah, yeah. Then you don't have the sound like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, that's always the thing. Touching a button makes a lot of noise. <laughs> nice. I quickly have to pee, <laughs> so I will pause this one. Okay. I am back. Anna has now changed the setup so that uh, we are gonna listen to the graphite uh, drawing. I think it's. There's no effect, so it's a pure sound it makes. So, so now it's only graphite and we have these jack cables going into this machine you built yourself. Yeah. So this basically this circuit has only can change the pitch. That's it. Okay. So. And this like change in sound is from you moving the graphite yeah. closer to each other or further away. These two pieces. Yeah. Too loud? No, it's okay. I turned down the volume, so okay. it's not bad. Pencils. Um, this is this is the six. Mm -hmm. We don't forget it. And then we just unite it like this. So now you have drawn a little <laughs> ugly drawing, like <laughs> lines. But you are like drawing a circuit on the paper because the graphite becomes conductive on the paper also, or what? Yeah. Now I don't get a lot of... There you go. Mm -hmm. 
Does he have changes? It has also a life of its own. Like, oh yeah, even but it's, it's touch. because I'm touching this. Mm. <laughs> and I had the, now I'm using only one, but I can have four four pencils to say so. Mm. To here and to here, and then run this through chaos pads or effects pedals. And, mm. But you see, the the sound is quite simple. Yeah, but it's enough to feed then an effect chain. Hmm. What is this? This is an old drawing mm -hmm. of a little bird. It doesn't doesn't react. This is conductive ink. I also have. Mm. But it doesn't take. Might be very well. <laughs> also, if you just. There you see. Wow. Super nice. And so, when you are drawing these, um, should we maybe sit down again? Yeah. When you are drawing these, uh, the drawings we looked at before, for instance, where you have speakers playing the sound of the drawing as part of the drawing and all this. Um, so when you're drawing those, you said you are drawing like this, the, the first part is the drawing and the sound is secondary, that just is like a result of how you're drawing, you're not drawing with your ears. Um, when it's like drawings that need to be exhibited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But the sound that is recorded, do you then modify that after you have drawn and recorded or is it like just a raw recording from the drawing and do you cut it or is it like the actual do you play the whole time no, it 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 okay it might be i mean imagine if it takes me let's say i don't know 50 hours to 50 hours let's say like yeah well i mean that's to big, make a drawing yeah yeah depending on the size let's say yeah. let's just say like it takes me 50 hours and then because i'm gonna listen 50 hours of, like, of, of yeah mean, of course it's it's possible, but um, for example, for these drawings, the new ones that I did, that this uh, like the scorpion with the speakers on the back, mm -hmm. um, I did modify the sound a lot. Like okay. it has a lot of like, or not specifically not this, not the scorpion, but another one has like a, it has a lot of beats. So I was adding beats to the to the sound it makes. Okay. And yeah, I don't know, just a bit more of a composition. Um, but I have another drawing. Um, it's not here. Uh, the size, it's also, it's, it's like a big square, like 120 times 120 or something. Mm -hmm. And that one really has only the sound that I recorded from the drawing, like 12 minutes I did. Okay. Like I, I chopped it a bit. And, yeah, and these are more like compositions. <laughs> but also with those ones, um, the small ones with compositions, how many of them were exhibited? Uh, five. Were they in the same room? Yeah, there were seven, but two of them, they have no sound because I made them specifically for a project that I, 
I made them as a score. So they okay. were scores and they had they have speakers but they don't sing. I I was performing them live. Okay. So they were there and, and in the room there were five that were sounding and it was quite nice because the gallery is not that big, might be a little maybe bigger than my studio a bit. Um I don't like know. Twenty square meters or something. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe something like that. I mean, imagine a wall that is six meters and yeah, yeah, and then maybe three or something, yeah, around. So maybe a bit more, twenty-five or yeah. something, yeah. But like, okay, and so they were all in the same room. Yeah, and, and the room was like painted dark, mm. and uh, you could only see the drawings, which is and like black and white, white people yeah. with black drawings and black frames, and the cable of the drawings. It went up and there was a fake ceiling, so these little amplifiers and MP3 players, they were all hidden. Okay, so, fake so you couldn't actually see, see the electronics. Yeah, you didn't see anything, and I, mean, I think the cable, I think you also didn't notice it because it's just this thin, like kind of headphone cable that goes up and that was it. And you have hidden the speakers quite well within the drawings yeah, also. Yeah, and then, and then it was like a cacophony, like a jungle of... of like. It was really nice. Of these kinds of yeah, sounds. Yeah. yeah, so then also I understand why you would want to approach it a bit more like a composition because if they all are going to affect each other in the space. Yeah, yeah. So do you think they work separately or are they like, a, do they only work when they are together? As no, a, they also work separately. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I will exhibit them in Anantalo, there's the, in this Moo Galleria, mm -hmm. it's a Moo Galleria thing with Anantalo. It's supposed to happen next month. Okay. I don't know. They said that it happens at the end of next month, but I, I don't know. So maybe if we are lucky, this will be out in time that people can see that. Yeah, yeah we will add a link, definitely. Um, what was I supposed to say when I almost interrupted you before? Um, Oh yeah, that so even though you draw the drawings and the sound is like a secondary thing, then you do also make like sound curated uh, decisions afterwards. Like so, it's like first a visual process and then a sound process. They're separate in the workflow. Well, not really. I mean, they really work together. Yeah, and I have also done this performance of. Drawing life. I had maybe the a paper that it's uh, this size, a hundred times, hundred forty, exactly. Mm -hmm. some years ago, and and I had these two boxes and the four the four graphite bars, and then I just I had a little sketch of a a dead cow, but only the lines, and then I was just like drawing life, and that was just about the sound. And wow, how long did it take? I think it was a 20 minute performance, 20 or more, maybe half an hour, okay. 25, half an hour, it's also, I also have it on my website, and that was also beautiful, that's something I would like to continue, because yeah, that sounds amazing, just processed sound, and uh, I mean, the drawing was, it was important, but of course, you cannot do much in a performance that is half an hour, like, I mean, the kind of drawing is so detailed, like, no, no, no. It, it becomes something different, but it's still quite amazing. It sounds really great. And then was it was it placed on the stage so that people could see what you were drawing and that it was this whole yeah yeah. yeah nice. So I had like a a beautiful uh, 
the, the, a bit of a square the space was. So mm-hmm. on, one, on one wall I had the, the paper where I was drawing and then after the, that was in the opening and then for the exhibition there was the video of that of that happening like and the drawing. Playing, yeah, yeah. Playing wow. all the time so you could see. Yeah. Such a good idea. And you say that this is... Um... Oh yeah, two questions, but one in the right order. So when you did this live with the drawing, did you have a lot of effects and stuff connected to I the drawing? I only had two, like, like one little, little chaos button and another one, like one for each of the boxes. But so you were drawing and controlling sound effects at the same time? Yeah, like sometimes I would change the effect and then of one because I wouldn't like to cut the sound. Mm. And, then, and then I would go to the other one. And Wow. And it's also like a thing you have to activate your brain differently because there's like four pencils, so if you have two, it's like <laughs> and then you have the machine with the feet. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when doing lights, I have had to use so many knobs and faders at the same time, I didn't have enough fingers, so I have used my nose a few times to control the fader, just like pushing it up or down. Yeah. Um, before all this corona, when we got afraid of touching things, yeah. but, but before when we were not so fussy. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to challenge yourself, but I think also sometimes with these, uh, this kind of sound and stuff like people could hear before, then you do a, like an improvised jam thing, and it's actually it's quite slow, the build-up, it's really like, there are a lot of monotonous drony parts, so with this kind of like noise music and stuff, it really is like a, this collage you are like building live, right? It, it's not... This um, you can take some time mm. with these kind of sounds. Yeah, because I really enjoy like the what I what I find the most beautiful is like this uh, that you give uh, time to every sound. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really like I I don't know I can really lose myself in this boom 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 <laughs> boom boom and you can have like five minutes of boom 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 and then if if you just tweak a bit the. I don't know, the, the, the frequencies, like, I don't know, you increase the low frequency or you increase the low frequency, uh, the high frequency, and, like, mm-hmm. it's really, like, always, like, flo- in state of, like, a sine wave, kind yeah, of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, this is something I still need to learn. I'm too impatient. I have, like, too fast a temper or something that this less is more and giving things time to breathe is something I'm still trying to understand what that means, and so... In my uh, sound recent sound composition, which I just did this double part episode interviewing myself about it. So <laughs> if people want to listen to that, there's three hours of me talking about this work and writing the thesis about it. But it was an ambient soundscape field recording noise thing on cassette tape. And so when co- doing compositions like, they would, actually, I was quite happy with it, and then last minute I added extra things, and you know, just like, and then I, I, I regretted it later. I was like, these t- these sounds were wonderful that I added. I found them, and I was like, oh, I did use these sounds, and they're amazing. And then I wanted more of that, and yeah. But actually, I think the composition was better before. There was this build-up on the night side of the tape. I don't do A and B, like well, one and two. It's day and night. And people decide themselves what comes first. But on the night side, yeah, I think the build-up was really nice. And then I added extra. And it's not bad now, but I think actually the tension was better before. 
but I am, yeah, it's a slow, slow mm. progress. It's like learning how to let things have space. Learning by doing, yeah. Yeah, you learn by doing, exactly. Next time I will maybe manage to be more minimalistic. Um, but when performing that live, I do it on a lot of ghetto blasters. Uh, so I yeah. deconstruct the composition and reconstruct it live with a lot of tapes that have different parts of the sound and different parts of like the timeline. And so the live collage becomes a little bit different each time. But the, when I did it for my release party, I accidentally kind of rushed through the whole thing because I thought that it would be too long. So I like, yeah, I, I didn't let it breathe as much as I had bounced the tracks to do. I kind of like stacked them a bit more. And then actually, I was like running out of sounds at the end and I started playing some of the earlier <laughs> parts of the tapes again because I was like, fuck, it's too short. Because I realized, I don't know, like it, it takes time, you know, you need to hear the sounds. And I thought I would be super stressed. I don't know how many ghetto blasters I had, like seven or eight or something. Cool. I thought I would be super stressed controlling so many, but actually you press play on a tape it's not even like you're controlling like effects yeah. or anything. Yeah. So even if you press play on like one and then another and change, you have a lot of time to just like look at the audience and wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so at least now I know with that setup that it's um, actually I could have done even more ghetto blasters and even more layering of the sound and it would have been fine. I wouldn't be overloaded. But what do you feel like this do, when you make your setup for live? Do you feel like you sometimes have too many machines with you that you don't need that many or you get confused from having so many opportunities or? Uh, no, I mean, for the you mean when I have the machines live? Yeah, because one thing is here in the studio, it's yeah. just fixed on the table kind of, but when you decide what to pack in a live suitcase, like, no, well, it has been quite easy for me uh, these last three years because I had this really portable setup, like backpack and a little bag here with one electrode, okay. the little mixer, the baby head, and this little delay effect. Like that mm -hmm. was it, and that was enough. And it's like oh, I, I was so happy because you know I was always carrying a suitcase with the big mixer, and then putting all these little. Um, effects and then the electronic and like I ended up always like hey I'm not going I'm not traveling to Mexico or anything I'm, I'm just yeah. <laughs> I don't know it's a technique but it's like I really hated this part I'm like ah oh, fuck um, yeah. I guess that's uh, an advantage of being like incredibly famous that hey pack this for me and then I have I want it there at this time and I'll set up and, you know. yeah yeah definitely <laughs> you don't have to drag it yourself through the snow mm -hmm. so then I was just so happy when I Ended up having this really portable setup. Mm -hmm. Now I have a double, double, double drum machine. <laughs> These two electrodes, they're quite heavy, but it's still easy. But it's small enough that you can pack them properly, right? Because yeah, that's why yeah. you said that the big mixer actually is a bit, you, that you broke it now, or what? Well, it's difficult to say because we have tried to fix it and it's not very easy because uh, the, the circuits are like all kind of together and it's very weird that sometimes, I mean it works, but sometimes one speaker doesn't and sometimes it, one channel doesn't work and it's like... Oh, oh and that's so unreliable. Yeah. <laughs> <But> that's <laughs> it, happened, it happened to us like in Humanima we were playing in Tampere, mm -hmm. in the theater La Strada I think it's called, 
And uh, yeah, we went there with our, I was carrying the mixer and everything. It was a relaxed trip by car. And then we are just preparing for, we are doing the sound check and at some point, mixer doesn't work like. But I was of course lucky that it was, a, I was only using the mixer as a mixer, not, not because this one doesn't have any effects. So they had another mixer and then we just plugged it on and that's it. So since then I don't use it again anymore for live concerts. But that is also the thing because it's big enough that like sometimes you should maybe wrap it better and pack it better but then it's like you don't have the right flight case or yeah, yeah I have this analog video mixer which is wonderful and I mean honestly I have to admit sometimes I have transported it in this not okay way where I have just like chucked it stuffed it into a backpack that it's like almost too big to fit into and it has all these like knobs and fingers and things and, and so sometimes I really have like carried it in a way where I've been thinking maybe something will break now but then I haven't had like a proper suitcase I could pack it in or anything and I've had to bring it somewhere and it's not good you know it's really yeah. that you can't afford to transport your gear properly <laughs> so you end up breaking it from like <laughs> shitty packing yeah it's not the way was yeah irresponsible packing <laughs> irresponsible yeah or like you know, fuck this is what i have to work with right now <laughs> Yeah, and so one question I wanted to ask, you said that this graphite drawing and sound was part of your master's thesis. Mm -hmm. So what did you study and where? I did a master's degree in fine arts <laughs> at Aalto University. And um, when I started it was called uh, fine arts, but then we had this change of, um, of uh, the head of the program, he, he was Teemumeki. Mm -hmm. And then they he, he they kind of didn't renew his contract and and so we were like ten students in total that were left a bit like okay now you will be part of this visual culture and contemporary art mm -hmm. if you wanna if you wanna graduate as uh, fine arts then you have to finish in the two years like really. Yeah, and if if not because they were closing down the program or restructuring, they've done a lot of that in Alto, and they're doing it even more. It's really bad. It's really I mean, yeah. also in Copenhagen and Sinekon School and, and places like this, like the Theater Academy. There, I just talked to a friend who graduated, who also said that her program is now ending, and so during her whole studies, it was she said it was like studying on a sinking ship, mm. that it it just felt like no one gave it like you could feel that it was crumbling while people were still in it and then also they've done a lot of restructuring and closing down programs yeah, and, and stuff and when i started the master's degree it was great i mean it mm. was really great like like uh, we would go to document time like we, we, mm -hmm. we would take these big trips and we had our, our own studio spaces and then like uh, after two years, like the, like okay, it started like the the, the the ship started sinking, but not that much. Um, but then you realize when they change it to Vika, this visual culture and contemporary art, instead of ten, they had thirty students, of course, mm -hmm. uh, and there was an art house in Otaniemi back then, and they didn't have enough rooms for everybody, and it was a bit like every time there were less and less like benefits to say so, or like um, yeah. I feel like yeah. Cuba is in the same yeah. direction. And uh, of course it's like uh, what doesn't make money, they just try to get rid of it. I mean, that's how it is. I guess it's like a worldwide thing, like arts is just like, who cares? 
I feel like in a lot of the art academies, at least in Northern Europe, um, they have been renovating the, the buildings or moving buildings. So like a lot of art academies are now in new premises. And the architecture really tells a lot about how you are supposed to work in the space because um, the architecture dictates how you can work but if the, if the space is built for this purpose it really also tells about like how they think you should work and so I think a lot of these new premises they have smaller studio spaces and then larger project spaces mm -hmm. so you're supposed to work more multidisciplinary and project-based that you like temporarily move in with a production and you do something and then you're ready for the gallery or you know it becomes more it's a different workflow than just an artist being alone in their studio and having this space where they can just like be artistic mm -hmm. it's a different mm -hmm. like not more or less productive but a different way of approaching art production mm -hmm. and so I think yeah definitely in the last 10 years and maybe in the next 10 I think we're seeing a lot of like structural changes in, in art education and how the programs are being pushed also for like what you're supposed to do and how. Yeah, yeah. I am not a super big fan of this new agenda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm also happy to be out of academy. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm also tired of school. <laughs> but did you move to Finland to study then? Is that why you came here? Yeah. Okay. I I yeah, I came with a grant from Mexico to do a master's degree abroad, and that was fantastic. Mm. And uh, yeah, then I just life evolved here, and I stayed. Yeah, then we started um, Third Space quickly after. I think I I started in two thousand and twelve. Were you part of Third Space? I I'm the founder of Third Space. <laughs> the yeah. founder? Oh my god! I didn't know. Uh, yeah, it yeah. was. I really liked it. Yeah. Since since when are you filming? Five years, okay. but it has been COVID lockdown yeah. for two of those five yeah. years, basically yeah. not completely. But you know, it has not. It has been a little bit disrupted. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I've been here five years now. So listen, I had this the before it was third space. I had the space with two friends, and we okay. thought like, okay, let's make some money with this creative stuff. <laughs> but uh, it, it uh, I was the only one doing stuff, and it okay. never worked out. So. Uh, my friend said, hey, I'm just giving out the rent. And I said, hey, no, I, I want the space. Can yeah, I? Yeah. And then I got it. It was cheap. That, I mean, super tiny. How? Eight square meters? Nine? Or, I don't know. Ten, maybe. Ten, I don't know. It was, or, or maybe like this. Maybe it was 20 it was, in the actual room. But it was, it was smaller. It was smaller. Maybe 15. Yeah. It was small. <laughs> but you still had a lot of live events there and concerts and screenings and, and workshops and exhibitions. And, and everything started because... Um, my friend and I, we wanted to play and it was very difficult back then to play anywhere like that. Like, hey, can I play? Like, can I Yeah, also, as a foreigner, you don't just like move to Finland and suddenly get all the cool jobs. <laughs> you know, it's like you have to really make your waves here yeah. first until people know who you are. I feel now I'm starting to have like really a creative network here. Mm. Yeah, studying is good for that. <laughs> But okay, so it's a good place to start to just rent your own venue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Because then we decided, hey, let's organize a concert. We play, and then yeah. we invited another couple to play, and we had a full house. It was yeah. such, such well, it was easy to fill that yeah. house. It was tiny. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I, like, for, I mean, 
mean, for, for this kind of experimental music, yeah, yeah. I think it was so small back then. I mean, nobody was doing this. No, was, I, there was, I didn't know that at that time there was this Sorbos Galleria. Mm -hmm. They would organize also a bit of stuff, but uh, not as much as, as, as I did. Um, and when was this? When did you start Third Space like this? 2013. Okay. Like December. So we started mm -hmm. with the first concert. And and then, yeah, I, we thought like, okay, let's invite people. And then like, I thought like, yeah, let's just like make it a regular thing. But and you shut it down recently, no? Yeah, because of after Corona, it was very difficult to get people in the space and, you know, like with because the society, yeah. distance that you had to keep from the others, only one person could be in the space and who wants to, <laughs> who wants to go to a concert like that. I mean, conceptually, that's amazing. Could you have window concerts? We, well, we could. I think maybe there were like one or two. Yeah. And but people weren't come anymore. Like mm. people was afraid of. They were afraid of. Yeah, getting yeah, sick yeah. And then of course it. And then after that we used it as a window exhibition space mm -hmm. only, and a lot of screenings. And um, yeah, at some point we thought like, okay, this is it's just not as it used to be before because it, the the thing is that yeah. it was so intimate, and then you could just sit in front of the one performing and it was really, I don't know, about kind of community being being together, experiencing something so close that it's yeah. usually on a stage apart from you, like you, you have the stage like and you look up to the artist and here you could just be yeah. on the same level. And yeah, so we decided, okay, let's, we quit, we just quit with the space and we the collective still exists. Um, I thought it was because of neighbors that you had to move out. We never got a complaint, never, never. We really had noise, loud, like super loud concerts, like noise ones. And at some point, I think uh, with one exhibition, one of the last ones, the neighbor said like, listen, um, because we had these actuators on the window, so you could, if, if something was happening inside, the window was acting as a speaker and you could hear from outside. And uh, I, I installed them. <laughs> That's nice. And then the neighbor complained, I'm sorry, but if you leave it running the whole night, I mean, I, I hear it during the night and my dog is getting crazy and can, can we do something? And then, of course, we tried to lower the volume and, and then say, look, yeah, I mean, we, we have never complained, but it, we, it always got, the sound always got to us. So it's possibly maybe that during all those 10 years, I don't know if it was the same person living in the same flat, but that they were always listening, but they never complained. But then there was COVID and shut down and they suddenly realized and, the silence that yeah. could be. And I think it's because they were working at home, they realized yeah, that there exactly. was a dog. And so we said like, yeah, it's also like, I mean, the, the, the magic of the space doesn't work anymore. People mm -hmm. doesn't come. So we quit the space. Um, we still, the collective, the collective still exists, uh, but we were a bit on a break, like one year because I was abroad. And then one of my friends, she has a newborn. Well, it's maybe now four months, so we might start it again. Okay. So is the collective called Third Space? Yeah, yeah, still. But we are only three people. And, uh, but, um, well, who knows if, if something, if, if yeah, it will yeah. work out. But, but here now we just founded this Anitaite and Seura, which is the Sound Art Society. And it's funny because we're in the, we were in the previously Bioart Society, but we are the Sound Art Society. <laughs> yeah, <it's Yes>. nice. <laughs> and uh, we will release our online presence very soon because mm -hmm. uh, we have the opening concert on the 29th of September. 
In this space? In, yeah, the entrance, yeah. That's nice. That's, that will be, we are like a live music venue, like for sound art, really mm. focusing on sound art. And uh, workshops and talks, but no exhibitions, just like that. Okay, yeah. And this kind of activities. Yeah, nice. And there will be to, like the 29th and the 30th of September and then the following weekend. And uh, let's see how we continue. But uh, so the sound room now it's has evolved and now we, we, we are the sound room society. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you are two people sharing this space, mm -hmm. right? Um, but it has actually kind of three rooms, so well, I'm looking yeah. forward. And, and you know, it's, all, it's also like uh, we have to make our own network, so this will work very well. I don't know, it's like really give space to sound artists because you know how marginal it is. So. Yeah, and there are not that many venues for this. Well, there is Akusmata, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's also a little bit mm -hmm. out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's nice, but also because something like Mapantai and Tila and stuff like the acoustics are so crazy, yeah, you know. But yeah, venues that you can get to play in with small weird projects that you don't have, that you don't generate any like income from mm -hmm. making. It's yeah, that's nice. So are you gonna like how are you gonna curate it? Is when you're gonna run the space? Is it just gonna be here and there, or are you gonna have like regular events? Will we? Of course, depend on funding because we we at the moment we have some little funding from Helsinki and Kaupunki, um, but it's only for this year, like for the rest mm -hmm. of this year, and uh, that's what we try to do, like uh, like fair play, like pay for everybody, for the organizers, for the play, for the ones that play, and for a bit of the rent and equipment and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that way we don't burn out ourselves of like like third space was exceptional because organizing things almost every weekend like concerts sometimes like every weekend that was a lot but I was also like I had nothing I mean I was only myself now I, I have a little one so it's like yeah, I have yeah. to split my time. Yeah you know, definitely I, 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 yeah. but also just I, I don't know in myself I recognize like getting older and with studies and stuff it just eat your energy and your capacity in a different way and the projects you do maybe you do them a little bit deeper or longer and so yeah running a venue or a space it, it's a full-time job it's a lot yeah yeah but it's nice that this can double as a workspace that you can have things in i think that's really nice right. yeah exactly is that yet just opening the doors? <laughs> it's also easier to maintain the space to make it sustainable if you work and then you use mm -hmm. it because you anyways have to pay the rent. And you anyways have all the gear there, all the extra yeah. adapters, exactly. cables, yeah. and things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> don't have to bike home in the middle of a gig. Um, is there? Something that I forgot to ask you that we should have talked about, something you wanted to mention. When did you start making all this sound and stuff in your life? Ah, yes. When I was five. Were you five? <laughs> you played the drums when you were five? No, I was playing mandolin. Mandolin, okay. <laughs> mandolin with five. Wow. And, um, Is that normal that children play mandolin? Well, uh, um, I don't know, I think it was just my mother wanted me to play something and I was so young and I said, oh, it's a little, little guitar, so <laughs> she allowed me one professor to come at home like every week 
Okay. And then and then my mother was at that time part of this. Well, she's she's responsible for my music education, I have to say, and she doesn't play anything. They, my family, my, my parents are not artistic at all. Mm. Um, so and then and then she was part of the school board, like parents' school board, mm-hmm. and they decided, hey, let's make this little like orchestra of kids. And they, they brought this teacher to the school, and the school was teaching everybody to play this little mandolin. So then you would see me like directing the, the, this little orchestra of kids in, in, in these annual festivals, or like, like I was playing the mandolin. Wow! <laughs> it was quite funny. And, and <laughs> but then when I was 12, I wanted, I was very, I was always interested in bass. I always liked the bass. And then I, I, I asked my mother, hey, I would like to play drums, like, mm-hmm. can I take some lessons? And she's like, ah, but it's too loud, and it, then you need the drums, and we don't have them, like, no, no. And then the same afternoon, I asked my father, hey, I would like to play drums. Yeah, let's go. Starting like the next week, and then I came to my mother. Look, I'm starting drum lesson. <laughs> so, and that's how I started. Like before, I was just playing mandolin, and, and then then I played the drums. And when I finished the drums, I started with guitar and then with bass. Wow! Electric bass and, and even with piano. And then yeah, when then then I like long way. I had my like my teenage uh, bands when I was 15. And, uh, what kind of music did you play? We were making some sort of uh, like indie rock, mm-hmm. like um, yeah. In when I when I did the when I was doing the university in Mexico, there we also had this. Uh, I think we were quite good. Like we, we could have like published something, mm-hmm. uh, but then yeah, we didn't. We never did. We played only in parties and this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But it, it was really fun. And so you play all the instruments, but now you don't have any instruments in here. Right? You only have all the machines, but you don't have any like normal. I have a bass, but it's at home. Okay. I should bring it at some point, but yeah, I, at least I have a bass. So now you know how to play all the instruments, but you have given up on them, or uh, well, the drums are difficult to get. Like my drums, I sold them in Mexico before I moved to Finland, and and. I'm just, um, my partner and I, we, we have the same like set mind that we want to have a recording studio in our mm-hmm. house, so we're waiting for that, like, we're just trying to find a place where we can have a recording studio and then drums, because he's mm-hmm. also a drummer. Okay, so you won't play electric drums? Uh, well, I could play any kind of yeah. drums, I would like to have them all. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, junk. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it's still, I would still like to go back to drums. And, Maybe mm-hmm. combine all the drums. Nice. And did I interrupt you? I tend I to do that. Know. I don't remember. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but then of course I discovered the magic of building your own stuff. I don't. I'm not an expert. I don't build a lot, but it's fun. It's always fun to to make these little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. I had a few other episodes where people have talked about electronic circuits and things they've built themselves. So, episode, what is it? Maybe it's 22, I think, with uh, Manos van oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and Minerva Jolati, who talks about the sound art exhibition in Oxasenkatu. Um, and Malos talks us through this like uh, three chair yeah. interactive sound sculpture that she built. 
And then also a few episodes ago with Roberto Fusco, mm-hmm. episode 28, I guess, he explains a little bit about these small speakers he built and this little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always try to like cross-reference if some listeners are interested in some areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are a few sound art episodes by now. Also, episode twenty-one with Eto Vecchi wow. and Corinne Mustonen. That's a nice one. Yeah, quite a lot then. Oh yeah, this is episode thirty-four. No, thirty-six maybe or something. I can't remember. Some yeah. some mid mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite a lot. It will be a few weeks or a month, maybe until I think maybe a month before this one comes out. But yeah, thirty something. Mm. Um, and you know, I was also drawing when I was five. Okay. Uh, also, there there was like a. Uh, I had this homework of yeah, just bring uh bring a drawing like you have to draw a park, and I just didn't know how to draw then. And then a friend of my mother was helping me. Mm-hmm. She was maybe a teenager back then, and then we were making a park with trees and everything. And then I, the next day, I go to the school, and then and then everybody shows the drawings, and then I see the drawing of this boy, and I'm like, wow, I want to draw like him. And then I said like, okay, then I have to start drawing. What did he draw? Just like, well, it was a park with trees, but it was okay. beautifully made. I think back then I thought it was beautiful. I don't know, but I yeah. think he he could really draw. And I was so jealous, like I also want to draw like him. And you know, like in Mexico, we have a lot of, of trash food, like these chips. And in the chips, there were these little toys, like flat, with drawings from cartoons. Okay. So I would just start copying cartoons and like, okay, like trying to to reach somewhere with my drawing. Mm. And then I have this uncle that he he had a yeah he, he had this print print. Printing like mm-hmm. printing company, and he would give me a block like all with black, uh, with white paper. Like wow, he for you to draw. And, well, and nice. then I started taking some like little like painting lessons, but the teacher was not going to the class. That's small city in Mexico. <laughs> you were in the class and the teacher doesn't come. So yeah, and then at some point I I just I could just I I, I was drawing like just cartoons and it was quite okay. But then, yeah, I just continued and I think I just did it myself. And then, of course, I just refined my skills when I started university because you have this technical drawing and, mm-hmm. and the human body drawing. And that was yeah, nice. yeah. Mm. So now when you draw, do you like have an image that you draw after or do you draw from your, just your mind? Mm, I, I usually take models like, uh, well, this, this is one of my photos. Okay. And uh, this was a real dead goat? Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, and then you imagined the birds. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, the, the, the interior is not as accurate. I was also like, just messing around. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but sometimes I, I think I, I so usually start with a model and then I just, I don't like the way that the, the, I don't know, the legs or the hands or the ear or something is positioned. I just change it and like, like okay, I will just maybe tweak it like this. And so I end up making my own version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I always like look for inspiration in like all books of bio- biology and like I really love those things, those drawings. Nice. Yeah. yeah, but all your drawings are quite like realistic in this way. They're like <laughs> detailed and stuff, but they're 
like they're not abstract. You can they they really like I'm looking at a parrot here. It really looks like a parrot. Like it's very <laughs> correct to scale and everything, yeah. or proportionately accurate. Yeah, nice. But I think it's so nice with electronic instruments and stuff like this. Buttons and knobs and faders are just so much less intimidating than than actual instruments. I've never had the patience for learning a real instrument because you have to practice and do it correctly. I think it requires more skills to play a real instrument because, I mean, the machine gives you the beat and the tempo, so at least you don't lose it, but then keeping yourself on the drums or the guitar, it's a different thing. No, exactly, and learning all the chords and to do things and, oh, wow, that is just so much, but like, just like, Closing your eyes and turning a knob and listen to when you think it sounds well and then just like trying to push another fader. That this intuitive hands-on, I, I can really be down with that. It's like direct, you don't have to practice for like years and years before you can start putting things together. Yeah. A different appreciation of sound. Like. Yeah, just I think different like work energy, some people are really good at practicing and be, like learning a skill and some people need it to be very fast and immediate or they will lose interest. <laughs> and it's good, like there's no, no right way, but I just will probably never learn how to play a real instrument. I have I have uh, acknowledged that that it's I don't know, who knows, maybe when I get old I will become this really slow and patient person and then I can pick up an instrument and learn how to play something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is your kid playing instruments? Uh, not yet. Um, well, he has a xylophone, mm -hmm. but he's still very rough. I mean, he he has been super destroyer. Okay. So, <laughs> I think uh, soon, soon it's time for him to, to play something. Um, he when when he was very young, like you know, when I, I had him I had him in this little rocking chair mm -hmm. and he couldn't walk and I was rehearsing in front of him. There he would be in this chair like like just doing like this. Yeah. And I was playing this noisy stuff of course with the bouncing along. Yeah, yeah. And then and sometimes then later he would sit on my legs and I would show him and he would move the buttons mm -hmm. and stuff. And what he has seen very much is that uh, his father is building a lot of instruments and custom-made stuff and he wants to build his own instruments. He wants to have his studio and also build stuff. And I mean, I think very soon he's ready for like, start playing that. He, we will like, he comes to the studio sometimes. Oh, you can be a whole family band. Yeah. Oh, that's really yeah. cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I think he, he has this um, sensitivity. He's, he's a very sensitive person, so I think he he might like it. We would like to have a piano. We would like to have a pianist, like, really. Like, oh, I like <laughs> Yeah, well, also, of course, like, both his parents are musicians and sound artists, mm -hmm. and, like, growing up in Finland is very sensitive. There's space to be a very sensitive child here. So, nice. Yeah, but he, he's four and a half, so, I mean, it's... Maybe soon, soon time to start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you wanna, <laughs> like, uh, breed him properly as like a <laughs> full time musician. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe he just want to be an engineer. <laughs> yeah. You never know. 
Nice. Maybe that's a good place to end unless there is something we forgot to talk or mention. What do you think? I never plan these interviews, so it's always it's just like... Better like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of the moment. Yeah. Do you have something, com some concerts coming up in the rest of this year? Like you said, you had the, the first concert on the 29th of... Uh, September in this space, and then maybe this other exhibition with these sound drawings. Uh, you call, I like that you call them scores. Yeah, yeah. it's nice, like yeah. drawing scores. Um, but um, are there other dates or places or things that people should uh, keep an eye out for? We will add some links in the show notes. But what? Well, uh Geeks planned, I think I don't have, but they always pop up. Yeah. But I am trying to focus on recording and releasing the album before Christmas. So okay. Uh, that's what I'm doing now, recording, and and then making a new a new set so I can like have like a, you know like a releasing concert. Yeah. But I release it all by playing the new. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I would do. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, then people have to buy it so that they, because then it, the concert is one experience and yeah. yeah. And now I have like uh, the three drum machines and I think that's like, that's a boom, like, wow. <laughs> I don't know, it just makes my head like, there's like a switch and then I start and it's like, <laughs> I don't know, it's amazing. I just get like, wow. <laughs> jam with yourself how long can you lose yourself in three drum machines <laughs> i think uh, um, if i'm not exploring any technical issues like mm -hmm. or technical stuff i think uh, at least one hour i dance here alone and yeah. i do my stuff and I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's nice and you're self-releasing the album uh this well we will have not me but uh with the block fear Block oh yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, like we still have to plan the because we want to have some concerts and in Denmark, I guess. And mm -hmm. here, I guess I will help with organizing here. I don't know. We have to we have to talk about it and plan it well. Yeah, sure. But we also have to check when the um, the record, like the pressing of the record, because if it's a record, it might take longer depending on the on the yeah sure queue. But let's see. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, we will be looking forward. Maybe I will be back in Denmark when you, when you are playing there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Nice. Okay, well, um, what are your websites, social media channels that people should check? We have talked about a lot of things. I will try to remember back and or listen back, and then we will add some links to some of these places and, and groups. But your own, like my own is very easy. Just my name dot com, like anagutieska.com. But of course, the Gutieska is a bit tricky because you have to know how to write it. Um, yeah, that and from I think the Instagram is the same. I mean, Instagram I use it for posting this live stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, from my website, you can find the links to Bandcamp and all the videos and stuff that I have. Okay. And Instagram for the for the what is it for the for the gossiping for yeah <laughs> Instagram for the fans yeah. no but it's good to have different content on different platforms for what they make sense for 
Okay, yeah, cool. So people can check it out there. Um, that might be it, no? No, yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, it was. Thank you. I'm happy we finally did it. It's a long time since we... It was in the spring we talked about it the first time, and now it's like end of the summer. Yeah, so thank you to Anna Kotjeska here in her new sound studio. And yeah, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Senja Ram. I'm practicing how to say the names more often so people can remember. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.